0: Start this morning by reading uh, an excerpt from an article that I've been reading through for the last about week and a half. It's an article article by John Piper called "Policies, Persons, and Paths to Ruin," pondering the implications of the 2020 election. And uh, there's just one section of the of the this article that um, uh, he wrote to pastors, and so I wanted to. Begin this morning by reading John Piper's words. He says, A word to pastors. May I suggest to pastors that in the quietness of your study, you do this imagine that America collapses. First, anarchy, then tyranny, from the right or from the left. Imagine that religious freedom is gone. What remains for Christians are fines prison, exile, and martyrdom. And then you ask yourself this, has my preaching been developing real, radical Christians? Christians who can sing on the scaffold, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, His kingdom is forever. Has your your preaching Developed Christians who will act like the believers in Hebrews 10.34, where it says this, You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. Christians who will face hate and reviling and exclusion for Christ's sake, and yet rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, the reward is great in heaven. Have you been cultivating real Christians who... See the beauty and the worth of the Son of God. Have you faithfully unfolded and heralded the unsearchable riches of Christ? Are you raising up generations who say with Paul, I count everything but loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord? Have you shown them that they are sojourners and exiles, as it says in 1 Peter? That their citizenship is in heaven from which they await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? as it says in Philippians chapter 3. Do they feel in their bones that to live is Christ and to die is a gain? Or, have you neglected these greatest of all realities and repeatedly diverted their attention onto strategies of politics? Have you inadvertently created a mindset that the greatest issue in life is the saving of America and its earthly benefits? Or, Have you shown your people that the greatest issue is exalting Christ with or without America? Have you shown them that the people who do the most good for the greatest number for the longest time, including America, are people who have the aroma of another world with another king? Pray with me. Father, I I guess the answers to those questions uh, are yet to be determined. Um, It's times like these. Uh, Seasons like this where we know we're not in control and we live in a land that's deeply divided. And and God, we we honestly don't have answers for a lot of the things that this country is facing, but we know that you do. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to make the main thing the main thing. Um, Remind us what that thing is. Um, Maybe uh, as we kind of transition out of the, the past week and all it's, it's entailed and, and really this whole year, maybe uh, you would usher in a fresh wind of your spirit. And you would calm some people's fears and you would divide, uh, you would bring together some things that are deeply divided. It's a gift to come into your presence knowing that the King is firmly on the throne. And the foundations of His kingdom are secure. Meet with us today. Use your word to remind us who, who you've called us to be. And if you agree with that prayer, all God's people said, Amen. Um, we're going to continue this morning um, in our series called More Than Enough, trading in um, our mediocre for God's more. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 23 um, this morning, so if you have your Bibles, you can You can open it up there. Um, When I say the word Pharisee, does it give you a good, warm, fuzzy feeling inside? I mean, back in the day, the the Pharisees, I mean, it was an aspired thing. I mean, to be one of those few um, experts in the law back in the day. But see, when I think about mediocre Christianity or mediocre belief in God or mediocre um, religious life, The first word that comes to my mind is is Pharisee. Um, Jesus didn't speak to anyone in the tone that he spoke about the Pharisees. I mean, he was not a big fan of them. And so so while Pharisee used to mean one thing, it's now come to mean something else. And it is synonymous with with hypocrisy. And so... um, my definition of hypocrisy are those things that I see in myself that I hate the most, but I still don't do anything about them. Do you guys, anybody have the same, same problem? I mean, you look in the mirror, you see the same thing. You know what's in you. You know it shouldn't be in you, but for whatever reason, you just continue to coexist with it. Maybe I'm the only one. If I'm the only one, please find another pastor. Brock will be back next week, okay? But this is my struggle, facing my own hypocrisy. The, the pharisaical parts of my own heart. And guys, if we all are serious about really wanting to trade in this kind of just blasé spiritual life for something that that will sustain you during seasons like this, when the world really seems like it's, it's spinning out of control, this is when we need faith. This is when we need the more of God. And so this morning, I want us to look at Matthew 23 because Jesus spoke to two different sets of people in this passage. The first group was the disciples and the crowds. That's the first 12 verses. And he says to them, and we'll read it just in a second, hey, you know those Pharisees, you don't want to be like them. Okay? So then in verse 13, he starts talking to the Pharisees. To the Pharisees and the scribes who are right there. And he says, woe to you. Seven times. Seven times he busts them about something that he sees in their hearts that shouldn't be there. And so I want us to this is kind of the third sermon in a row that I've kind of had this this approach, kind of a spiritual self-assessment, like just trying to give you tools to look in the mirror and just ask yourself questions. And I'm not trying to answer these questions for you. I can't. But unless you answer them for yourself, I think we'll find out that that Pharisaical part of us will always be there. Okay, so that's kind of the goal. We're going to read the first 12 verses, kind of pick out three things that Jesus says about the Pharisees that... He wants us to avoid. And then we'll look at these seven things that he says directly to the Pharisees. Here we go. We ready? This is what the word says. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man on father, your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is teaching to the crowds and to his disciples, and he says, Hey, you know those Pharisees over there, they have authority, they know the law, listen to what they say to you, but don't do what they do. Don't do what they do. Why? Because they're not doing what they preach. You know, this, this. for all you watching online, this might be a newsflash to you, but you know there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that we know, but we don't do. Now, I mean, there's a lot of things in there that we know exactly what we're supposed to do, right? But it's, it doesn't always work itself out in our living. That is the hypocrisy in us. Jesus says to these People, don't be like the Pharisees. There's three things he points out that he, that he picked out. He could have picked out a lot of things. But the first thing was this. Don't put burdens on people. Don't make other people's life harder just because you can. Guys, if some of you are honest, some of those painful experiences you've had in your life have been in church. With church people. Being judged, being condemned, being excluded, being told that you're not living up. Guys, that's, that's pharisaical. I mourn with you that, it, that that's happened to you, but we all have scars from our past from encountering people like the Pharisees who just try to make other people's life harder. Guys, how about we flip the script? Living like Jesus wants us to live is really this. Try to make somebody else's life easier. Just look at the person next to you, even if they don't agree with you, and try to love them like Jesus loves you. It really is that simple. Instead of placing burdens on people, maybe during especially during this season, we could be people that just are burden lifters. We look around and we look for ways to try to make someone's life easier. Another pharisaical thing that Jesus said, don't be like this. Don't just do stuff to be seen by others. Don't, don't, don't just want, the reputation, the attaboy, how about, how about we do this? Let's serve in the shadows. Now, I'm not saying the shadows in a, bad, in a bad way. I'm saying just try to fly under the radar and just random acts of kindness, random acts of love, and not have to get recognition for it. I think Jesus is, was going to show them that by the way that he, he lived his life. And don't thrive on reputations and titles. Guys, I'm so sick of... Well, you know, can I say one thing that I'm really glad about? I'm glad that we don't have to watch campaign ads anymore. We don't have to watch people just make much of themselves and try to belittle other people. On, coming from all different directions, guys, how about we start making much of other people? How about we just... Less of us and more of Jesus. Less of us, more of the people that need to know Jesus. Jesus says to His disciples and His followers, hey, don't be like them. Don't put burdens on people. Don't just be all about yourself. Serve from the shadows. And then, He turns His attention to the the Pharisees that are in the crowd. And so, starting in verse 13, He says, for the first of seven times, woe to you. Woe is like, yeah, that's not great to be you right now, but don't hear it this way, okay? Because there's also... There, there's some condemnation in that word, but there's also regret and sorrow. It could be repentance. See, everybody do this. Take a deep breath and then breathe it out. You all have coronavirus now. Just kidding. Take, a, take another one and breathe it out. If, if you're able to do that, you are able to change. Do you hear it? Even if you're the most self-absorbed, worthless person that's ever walked the face of the earth, by the way, that's me. So that can't be you. If you're breathing, then God can still change. So self-assessment, woe to you if these fair fairsakele things that we're about to go through, if you see them in your own life, don't just beat yourself up about it. Change it. That's the whole point of this is to look yourself in the mirror, be honest about what you see, and then do something to change it. Because these, these aren't, they don't have to be the epitaph written on the tombstone of your life. Even if it defines you to a T to this point, you can change, okay? So there's seven of them. I'm going to go through them really quickly, okay? First one is this. First evidence of pharisaical behavior, if you see this in your heart. Verses 13 and 14. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Is it possible that the way you live your life points people away from the kingdom instead of towards it? Is it possible that you've redefined God in your own terms to the point that God doesn't seem desirable because who would, who would want that God? It, this happens all the time when we forget to make the main thing the main thing. See, my, my hypocrisy, the way that I... Just honestly, the way I live my life... A lot of times, if it's just about me, it doesn't point to the kingdom. If I'm intentional and I try to serve and be selfless, yeah, some days I get it right, but left to my own devices, the Pharisee runs pretty deep in me. And so I have to check myself quite a bit. Maybe you're like that. How are you, how are we, how is the church going to respond? to a situation like we find ourselves in today. With a deeply divided country and everyone thinks they're right about different things, how are we going to respond? Because our response will either point people towards the kingdom or it will shut the kingdom in their face. Second characteristic of pharisaical attitude that he points out here is going to great lengths to make other people think the way you do. He says it right there in in verse 15. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you yourselves. Guys, can I tell you why I don't like social media? Because of this. It's a platform, an unfiltered platform, to just try to get people to agree with you. And, guys, it's not healthy. It's not healthy, um, because it's usually based on whatever agenda that you're trying to promote. And so what if we willingly yielded our agendas for God's agenda? What if in a time when there's so much division, we just united around the kingdom of God? We just united around love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. It's possible. Look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself... Why is it so important that people agree with me? It is possible to disagree with someone and love them. I think we need to get back, get back to that. The third woe is this. They made up their own priorities. They changed God's rules and they, they, they redefined them in their own terms. Where, where do I get that? Verses 16 through 22. He says, "'Woe to you, blind guides and Pharisees. "'If anyone swears by the temple, you say it's nothing.'" But if they swear by the gold of the temple, then they're bound by their oath. And he, then he says something else. that, that You say it's nothing if you, if you swear by the altar. But if you swear by the gift of, that's on the altar, then you're bound by your oath. Those are rules that they made up. Why is, why is Jesus saying that this is not good? It's because when we start putting more value on the gold, that never happens, Right? than on the altar, and we, and, and we start swearing by things that we deem important, rather than, you're not supposed to swear at all. I think we redefine our priorities. We try to make... We redefine priorities that God's already set, and we elevate our own thoughts over them. That's, that's not good. See if this makes sense. The fourth one... Woe number four is in verses 23 and 24. You tithe mint, dill, and cumin. These are spices. But you've ignored the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In doing so, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Guys, is it possible that our spiritual lives don't have power because we've forgotten to make the main thing the main thing? We've we've focused on small-minded agendas, checking boxes, rather than the greater matters like justice, mercy, faithfulness. Guys, whatever your soapbox is, whatever your pet peeve is, whatever thing that makes you the most angry about what you see in the world, maybe we could just let it go. Maybe it's time to just focus on loving people the way that Jesus loves people and let some of the this stuff work itself out. Woes well, it number five and six are right there together, um, so we're, we're going to cover them together. And this is really what I want you to hear today. Um, starting in verse twenty-five, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence." You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. How much time do you spend on the outside of the cup? There's a, there's a bunch of beautiful people in here. I mean, there's some beautiful people in here. What's the inside look like, though? Are we spending as much time doing the soul searching and, and, and trying to figure out, if am I full of greed, self-indulgence, hypocrisy, lawlessness? Jesus says that stuff is in you. And unless you clean it out, It doesn't matter how the outside of the cup looks. This is an invitation for you to deal with your stuff. Just, If you want the more, the life abundant that God sent Jesus to give you, we can't ignore the inside of the cup. And I can't clean it out for you. And you can't clean it out for me. But as iron sharpens iron, so one believer sharpens another. We can encourage one another. We can't love one another to have conversations with one another even when we don't agree. These things are possible and maybe it's time to get back to it. The last one is this. Woe well, number seven. And this is... This is I think it, this is the message for the church today. It's It starts in verse 29. And he's coming down on them because they start making claims that if we would have lived back in the day we wouldn't have killed the prophets okay he said and jesus knows that these very people are about to kill him okay and so they're saying that they would have done it differently back in the day but jesus is saying no you don't this is your day this is your day how are you going to do it this, this is what the word says woe to you scribes pharisees hypocrites For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you supposed to escape being sentenced to hell? And he goes on. See, he's not happy about this attitude of saying, oh, if we had lived then, we would have done it different. Here's the question, church. We live now. Today. We face what we're facing today. The church is going to respond in some way to the world, and the world will be watching. How is the church going to respond? Are we going to respond in love? Or are we going to respond in just switching our agenda, hitching our wagon to another horse, all that stuff. Maybe God has allowed everything that's going on in the world to wake His church up. To invite us to remember that this is not our home. That we are citizens of a kingdom that has a king. And it's not on a four-year term. It's not on an eight-year term. Eternal. We sang about it. Maybe that should be our focus. Maybe if we would look at our own hearts and be honest, just be honest with yourself. If Guys, I've been angry a lot this year. Just about the, everything. I, I mean, I get angry. At, I, I just get angry. All, I, why am I so angry? It's those masks. That's what it is. It drives me crazy there's so much tension in the world and I think the whole world feels like it's just kind of kind of like this and maybe we just maybe being past November the third we can just exhale and trust that the sovereignty of God is still intact and we still have every possibility of living life and living it to the full because it doesn't depend on governments here it depends on a kingdom there. Let's pray together. Father, uh, I pray that some people might just have some, some renewed hope and renewed energy to feel like they can, they can really start doing some internal housekeeping and maybe just start cleaning up the inside of the, of the cup and, and, and loving people well. Father, show us how to be the church that you called us to be. Show us how to keep the main thing the main thing. Show us how to, to look across the street to, to people who don't think like us and don't agree with us and don't even like us. And God, show us how to love them well. May we have the aroma of another kingdom and another king. Forgive us for the hypocrisy in our own lives. Thank you that you know that about us and you set your affection on us anyway. And because of Jesus, we have righteousness. We have his righteousness flowing through us. We don't deserve that. Never will. It's a gift. Help us to live like grateful people. Show us how to be the church. We have faith for, for storms like the season that we're in now. And it affects everyone differently, but God, I just I pray that faith would rise up. And no matter what the world says, that we would scream from the mountaintops that you are God now and forever. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship in response to the word.